0: Welcome, all of you, to Rally Day 2016. Welcome to longtime member and recent guest and all of us in between. Welcome back, choir. I hope we've all had a good summer and are now ready to re-engage in what will be a wonderful year at Third Church, And I also hope that everyone will come to the East Avenue lawn following worship for a hot dog and the music of the Meg Street Ramblers with a special word of thanks to the Congregational Fellowship Committee for your hospitality. Let us pray. Silence in us any voice but your own gracious God. And into that silence, speak to us the truth and the power and the hope of your gospel. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our gospel lesson for the morning comes from the gospel according to Luke, the first 10 verses of the 15th chapter. Let us hear God's word. Or, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the past few years, we've approached each new program year with a theme, Around which we've organized our worship and our education and our service. We've had a year of connecting, a year of feasting, and years of growing, invitation, and sowing. We contemplated and rejected several themes for this year. One was a year of Olympics. Now in some ways it feels as if we've had that already. And as much as I love the Olympics, I was glad to get back to my normal sleep patterns. Plus I didn't want to have to get any of those little weird circles on my shoulders like Michael Phelps had for this coming year. Another theme we rejected was a year of Pokemon Go. Now, we worried that some would not know what on earth was going on. And those who did would run into walls all around the church, which is a lose-lose proposition any way you look at it. Or a year of election. Actually, we didn't even consider a year of election. You're welcome about that. So we looked around. And we asked a basic question. What is needed most right now in our church and in our culture? What do we need and what do we have to offer to a broken and fearful world? So welcome to a year of reconciliation. A year of reconciliation. It seemed timely for several reasons. Reconciliation is a central theme of our faith. How our relationship with God, once broken, is restored. And how that relationship with God leads us to seek restoration in our relationships with others. And in so many ways with ourselves. But it doesn't stop there, of course. Some of you will remember the Horses on Parade effort of 16 years ago when large painted fiberglass horses dotted the landscape of our community, a kind of whimsical civic public arts event. We had a horse on our front lawn called Horse Chestnut. I made the point then, and I continue to make the point, that that horse announced to the community that while what happened within our walls mattered, it mattered only so much as when we took our faith beyond our walls, a public church sharing a public faith. So as central as it is, reconciliation cannot simply be between God and us or even among ourselves within the life of the church the message and promise of reconciliation must spill out of this place into all the places where brokenness is in our city in our communities in our culture in our world a year of reconciliation but what does that mean in some ways, these following months will be an attempt to define what reconciliation is and what it looks like. Now, these aren't the SATs. I don't think we need too precise of a definition. Rather, our quest for a work-in-progress definition will help us in pursuing reconciliation itself. But let's look in the dictionary. When we do, we'll find something like this. The, The restoration of friendly relations, reuniting, reunion, bringing together, rapprochement, fence mending, resolving, the action of making one view or belief compatible with another, the act of causing two people or groups to become friendly again after an argument or disagreement, the process of finding a way To make two different ideas exist or be true at the same time. An act of reconciling. As when former enemies agree to an amicable truce. You get the point. The Latin root of the word has something to do with making good. Conciliate, again, making good, again. Reconcile. Now, all these definitions are familiar ones, and even if we spent the whole year thinking about that, a year of reconciliation would be a good one. And yet we know it goes deeper than that. The need for reconciliation is deeper. In Christ, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, God was reconciling the world to himself. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. We are reconciled to God. And we are then given a ministry of reconciliation to live out in the world. The fundamental brokenness, the fundamental relationship that needed restoration was between God and God's creation, between God and humanity. That's been accomplished in the life and the death and the new life of Jesus. Which means that reconciliation is a gift we receive and share, not an accomplishment we achieve. The theologian Adrian Hastings writes that reconciliation is the removal of division between God and humanity, a division brought by sin and overcome by Jesus Christ, in whom divinity and humanity are reconciled. Reconciliation, the theologian Nolio Erskine writes, is about a new relationship between God and humanity. So perhaps our beginning working definition acknowledges that something was broken or worn out or out of balance. And that reconciliation is a restored relationship, a new relationship. I bet you'll hear me many times this year using that language of restoration, about bridging a gap, about healing a difference. And that can't just be between God and us. That's the crucial starting point. But it spills over into how we interact with all those around us, Family and friends and co workers and neighbors, fellow church members. And it's about how we restore our own broken self relationships. Over the course of the coming months, we'll spend some time on just that how we accept ourselves when such acceptance feels so difficult. And how we reconcile with those we love when a relationship is strained or estranged, that's difficult as well, is it not? And so important. It's never simply about apologizing and moving on. Like a forced parental apology after siblings get in a fight. Nor is it smoothing over differences for appearances' sake, pretending the past never happened. True reconciliation is about truth and honesty and moving through brokenness to a new place of restoration and healing. First between God and us, then with ourselves and those around us. Yet it cannot stop there. It mustn't stop there. And it doesn't stop there. One of the very... Specific entry points we'll have with our reconciliation conversation is something called the Confession of 1967. The Confession of 1967, which you will hear me call C-67 from time to time, was the Presbyterian Church's efforts to capture a new theological vision in a very conflicted time in church and culture. Some of you remember that era. If you do the math, you will note that C67's 50th anniversary is approaching. I wrote my dissertation on C67 because of its theological message, but also because of its social and ethical vision. It laid out four topics, very specific topics race, poverty, warfare, and human sexuality where the vision of reconciliation was especially needed in the culture then. It was very controversial. The Presbyterian Church fought significantly over those words, and in some ways we are still fighting over them. Some fought over the content of that list. Others fought because the list was included at all. But I believe that its inclusion was True to our Presbyterian roots, and more so true to the gospel, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself and not just individuals and not just the church. The race, poverty, warfare, human sexuality, where reconciliation will be more than simply bringing people together to shake hands, but working toward truth telling and justice-seeking so that deep reconciliation is experienced. So not only will we over the coming months look at this theological gift, how our relationship with God is restored and made new, we will look at the ethical demands that such reconciliation makes on us as individuals and as a church as we live now some 50 years after this confession's birth. Now, we've sent out a copy of the confession to every household. we posted it online. It's available throughout the church. I, I apologize in advance if we spend too much time on it, if you get sick of it. But even if that happens, I hope we won't tire of the vision which remains aspirational and incomplete and ever before us even today. What does reconciliation look like? Well, you would guess that the Bible is replete with stories, and the lectionary offers us two this morning. One lost sheep out of a hundred. An acceptable business write-off. Yet the shepherd pursues, leaving the 99 at risk, And when he is founded, he lays it on his shoulders, and he rejoices. The sheep is found, and the shepherd rejoices at this restored relationship. Now, we're not sheep, nor are we the one coin of the ten for whom the woman overturns her house to find. Yet, when she finds that coin, she rejoices as well. A year. A season. A journey of reconciliation. At times we will be the lost sheep seeking to be found. At times we will be in the 99. At times we will be the agent of searching. And at times we will be its recipient. I wonder... Can we imagine that space, that reconciliation space between what is and what shall be? Can we imagine that reconciliation space between our own sense of brokenness and accepting ourselves fully as beloved children of God? Can we imagine that reconciliation space between our current fractured and fractious culture and True community, warts and all, disagreements and all. Can we imagine that reconciliation space between us and those from whom we are estranged and true healing? Can we imagine that reconciliation space between that lost sheep and what it must feel like to have the shepherds lift you upon his shoulders. Can we imagine that reconciliation space between the racial brokenness of this moment and true racial justice? Or on this day, some 15 years later, and we imagine that reconciliation space between those horrifying moments and our searching journey ever since, as a people, as a global community, those who died, those who survived, those who shared and those who seek even now, in simple acts and grand gestures a new heaven and a new earth. This is the ministry of reconciliation with which we have been entrusted. We are its ambassadors, its angels, its prophets, and its poets. There is so much work to do and it is our gift and our calling. Amen.